Welcome to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and Radio Phoenix. I'm host Lanasha Puati. Tonight, I'll learn more about musician and actor Lauren Anthony. Later, I'll speak to Antoinette Thompson, abstract artist from the Navajo Reservation, and Nancy Bowflood, author of several award-winning children books. In the studio with me is Alexander Castillo-Nunez with Intertribal Council of Arizona to talk to us about the 2020 census. Welcome to our show, Alex. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, this is actually my first year and a half in Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, I'm from Boston. Uh, kind of just, uh, I'm very passionate in um, the arts, so it's really cool to be in this space. I didn't mm -hmm. know Phoenix had an art center. That's cool. <laughs> and um, yes, yeah, so as I mentioned, I came here a year and a half. I started working at, a, at Intertribal Council of Arizona as their native vote specialist. Um, kind of just doing a lot of voter registration, mm -hmm. doing a lot of the native vote, get out the vote, just getting people more civically involved and in mm -hmm. just, um, you know, a lot of the civic duties that we have here, whether it's voting and as we're going to talk about today, the census. Yes. And can you tell us what is the census? Uh, the census, it happens every 10 years, and it's really just a full count of mm -hmm. everyone in the country. Um, that's as easy as it is. It's really just what it is. It's mm -hmm. just a complete count of everyone. And why is it important? Well, the census is important because, um, you know, a lot of things that, for example, um, federal funding mm -hmm. come through data that's used from the census. Mm -hmm. Um, and we like to use the three R's. So it's like redistricting resources and representation. So mm -hmm. these three things uh, use the census to be able to kind of uh, allocate what sort of funding, redistricting uh, in terms of county lines and mm -hmm. where they go. And that also connects to representation. Maricopa County, for example, is one of the fastest growing counties in the country because, you know, people are moving here. Arizona may have a chance of getting another seat, which it did in 2010, mm -hmm. uh, another uh, congressional seat. So more representation okay. um, for, for the state. And when does it start? The self-response begins on March 12th. Um, I mean, census is already well underway. Um, they've been doing um, uh, counts. They've been doing questionnaires. Enumerators have been, enumerators have been um, in Alaska already mm -hmm. uh, doing the count there. Um, but officially, the self-response starts uh, March 12th, and it goes all the way until June. Um, and self-response, you can do it in three ways, uh, by mail, by phone, and mm -hmm. online. And so what will happen is that you will receive a questionnaire um, at your home address, mm -hmm. um, and that questionnaire will have a, a, a unique code, um, and then you can log in online, send it back through mail, or use the code uh, when you call uh, by phone. One thing that I would like to bring up is that because they are being sent to home addresses, mm -hmm. um, Census is doing an update leave program, so that really connects to um, our people that may not have traditional addresses, mm -hmm. that use PO boxes. Um, so they won't send the questionnaire to a P.O. box. And so what Census is doing is what they call, again, update leave. Mm -hmm. So they would kind of scout the area, see if there's an address that's not on their database. And if it's not, they'll leave a questionnaire there. Uh, they'll update their database and then leave a questionnaire um, at the home um, that they have identified. And even though you may not have a code, I think there, are, there, there should be ways to call mm -hmm. um, and still do the census. So like everybody wants should be counted. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how does this affect Native Americans? Um, well, in 2010, the Native, uh, at least um, the count for uh, American Indians living mm -hmm. on reservations, he, um, 
was uh, at an undercount of about 5%. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're talking about resources, we're talking about representation, mm -hmm. we're talking about all these things that kind of really um, reflect and can contribute, uh, benefit our communities. Um, and so, um, you know, we want to be able to make sure that in our communities, um, we're getting the, the adequate funding and resources um, that really reflect the population and the, the demographic of our communities. For example, um, um, I was at an event and I kind of just, you know, talking to folks um, and there was a woman from a tribe here in Arizona and she was telling me that she uh, was looking through the census data mm -hmm. and they said that the, she saw that only three elders were counted. And she's like, well, there's at least 50. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, well, at least like at least 50, 60. And I'm like, wow, those, like, you know, if it's 60, then there's 57 people, elders that were not counted. And on average, um, it said that, it says that um, about every person is, contributes about $3,200 mm -hmm. um, to uh, their community. And so if you're thinking about that, that's $180,000 mm -hmm. that we're missing. And since the the, uh, the census is every 10 years, that's $180,000 per year. Oh. That's mm -hmm. $1.8 million that we're missing in the span of 10 years in that community. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're talking about, you know, representation and resources. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, um, people are counted. Even if they're 30 seconds old, they mm -hmm. count, you know, by first they count. Um, so, you know, we, again, it's important because, you know, it's, it helps uh, with education. Um, it helps with funding for for WIC, like Women, um, Infants, and Children programs. So, like we're talking about the health and wellness of um, of our of our mothers, of our mm -hmm. children. Um, it uh, helps with infrastructure. You know, making sure there's um, there's paved roads mm -hmm. um, uh, and so much more. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, we really want to be able to make sure that people do uh, participate um, in in the census this year in 2020. And what if somebody has a biracial family? Federal agencies kind of see um, census data in different mm -hmm. ways. Um, so let's say you uh, do identify as American Indian, or you might be uh, also multiracial or identify yourself as something else. Uh, some agencies um, look at the data as, uh, receive the data and um, use it as either American Indian alone or mm -hmm. in combination. And that's like for individuals. Um, and it, but I believe that, well, for, for the Department of Housing and mm -hmm. Urban Development, for HUD, um, they, you know, they do a lot of funding for like public housing. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and they also have a, a, the Office of Native American Programs. So, you know, we're, you know, public housing does help with homelessness and all mm -hmm. and other issues. Um, but um, so if you do live in a multiracial home, um, HUD, uh, to um, identify a home they refer to person number one, otherwise known as the head of household. Okay. So if the head of household, let's say you do live in a multiracial home, you have mom who may be Native American and dad may be Hispanic, um, whoever um, fills out as person one mm -hmm. is what the household would be identified as. Um, so if you, you know, want to identify your home as um, an American Indian home, and you want to, and you know that you could benefit from these HUD programs, mm -hmm. then you want to um, fill the uh, person number one sh should be um, should identify themselves mm -hmm. as American Indian. Um, and another point on that, and when we are filling out um, the questionnaire and 
um, when we are identifying ourselves as American Indian and uh, stating which tribe we affiliate ourselves with. Mm-hmm. We also want to make sure that people know that you want to put in the the correct and full name of the tribe. And you can identify okay. yourself as many tribes as you like. I mm-hmm. think it's a it's a handful of tribes that mm-hmm. you can, can list. Um, but, for example, in Arizona, you know, there's a, you, if you put Apache, you know, you identify yourself as Apache, uh, you also got to consider that there's the White Mountain Apache tribe, mm-hmm. there's the Yavapai Apache tribe, there's the San Carlos Apache tribe. Oh, yes. So there's all these, you know, these tribes that, you know, are Apache, but um, if you don't affiliate yourself, if you don't, if you put in that you're just Apache, then these are resources that wouldn't go to the tribe specific to the community that you are mm-hmm. enrolled in. And is it important to fill out all the questions on the census and answer all of them? Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, people um, could see the questions and fill it out how they how they like, but then that just leaves the census to kind of guess for mm-hmm. you. If you want to really identify yourself, if you really want to represent yourself as who you are, then you know, um, you you definitely want to uh, fill out all the questions. And the questions is really just they're very basic questions like gender, mm-hmm. uh, race, uh, age, um, and these help, of course, with um, uh, you know, they, they, we can use these uh, this data to protect from um, future discrimination or other things that can kind of uh, target specific uh, types of people. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for example, the uh, counties, when coming to elections, they require um, to provide language assistance um, to um, to their counties, depending on what languages are. Uh, spoken in in that county and in, in that area, and in order to know that, um, they use census data. And if there's a certain percentage of people that speak a certain language, um, then um, the county has to provide that language um, mm-hmm. in their election materials. Um, but if we don't, you know, uh, say uh, that we're here, mm-hmm. then they won't know that we are, and then they won't have to provide that assistance if needed. Mm-hmm. Can you remind us again how we can complete the census? Um, so there's three ways, mm-hmm. uh, by mail, by phone, and online. And mm-hmm. that's uh, from March 12th to June. And if you don't respond uh, through one of those uh, uh, ways to, to do so, mm-hmm. uh, then an enumerator, um, a, a, count, a, a census employee will come to your door and um, do the questionnaire person. Um, and we also want to make sure that people know that the uh, census workers do have their own um, uniform, they have their mm-hmm. badges. I mean, you could call up census and be like, oh, hey, that so-and-so is at my door, here's their badge mm-hmm. number, and they can confirm with you that that's who, the, who uh, an official census employee. Mm-hmm. Um, census will never ask for your social security number, they'll never ask for your bank information, mm-hmm. they'll never ask for your credit card information, they don't ask for those things. Mm-hmm. All that census is doing is getting a complete count. They're just counting people. Um, so if you do see somebody that's asking for those, that's um, you maybe want to you may want to be cautious. Mm-hmm. And our information will be protected even if we completed Definitely. online as well. Uh, yeah. So uh, census workers um, they um, are under oath mm-hmm. um, and uh, Title Thirteen, um, and what that means is that they are under oath and they pretty much promised that they'll never share information. And if they do, they are charged $250,000 per person that mm-hmm. is whose information is disclosed, plus potential jail time. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, um, census is very, very strict about um, protecting um, uh, people's identity. And even when the data comes out, it's not specific to, oh, so-and-so lives here. It's just mm-hmm. 
there's a range of people from let's say zero to five uh, male or female that live in this area mm-hmm. they don't get specific as to who is exactly in those communities in those areas and where can someone go to find out more information um, so 2020census.gov um, has all pretty much the, uh, all the official information. And I mean, you can also uh, apply f- to be an enumerator. We wanna encourage people to also apply because you know we want um, people that we relate to mm-hmm. in our communities knocking on our doors, yeah. if that mm-hmm. were the case. Uh, so 2020census.gov uh, slash jobs is the uh, site for that. Um, you can always uh, look to see if there's a complete count committee in your area. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some tribes have established um, a complete count committee. Um, they kind of just do a lot of the outreach. Um, there's other organizations that are doing um, a lot of uh, outreach work as well. Um, ITCA, um, Intertribal Council of Arizona, mm-hmm. you know, we also disperse information. You can follow us on Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. ITCA online, um, um, and or uh, itcaonline.com. Okay, well, I'd like to thank you, Alex, for stopping by the studio today to tell us the importance about the 2020 census. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a lot of info. (laughs) But uh, yeah, please uh, participate, 2020 census. Coming up next, I'll talk with artist Antoinette Thompson. Support for Radio Phoenix comes in part from Native Health, located at 4041 North Central Avenue, Building C, near the corner of Central Avenue and Indian School Road in Phoenix. Native Health in Mesa is now providing medical, behavioral health, WIC, and additional programs located at 777 West Southern Avenue, near the corner of Southern and Extension. Native Health provides primary medical, dental, behavioral health, WIC, and wellness services for the urban Native American community. For more information, call 602-279-5262 or visit our webpage at nativehealthphoenix.org. Native Talk Arizona returns after this song. You are listening to A Moment of Dance by Daryl Tonema. There's an angel across the dance floor I felt my heart beat when she walked in the door Wearing a dress she had pressed for the night I searched the room and danced in the light The three-piece band played softly out of tune A cheating heart and talking to the moon Shyly sing along I tip the band To play a slow song Is my shirt tucked in In my hair just right This will be my only Welcome back to Native Talk Arizona Presented by Native Health and Radio Phoenix I'm host Lanasha Puati On the phone with me is Antoinette Thompson Self-taught artist from the Navajo Reservation Welcome to our show Antoinette Hi, good morning. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, I'm Navajo, full-blooded. And I am originally from Lukachigay, Arizona. And how did you get interested in art? Art has always been a passion of mine since I was a kid. 
but I didn't really get into it until 2010. There's a history that that helps me get into my art, and it, it just evolved from there. Since 2010, I have been participating, working, and really molding myself in the art world. I actually have a master's degree in healthcare administration. I've worked with the healthcare industry for about 15 years until I decided to leave the art and have it lead my life. So I, I, I left I left the healthcare world and completely dove into the art world about five years ago. And since then, I have traveled all over the country and in the summer of 2019, it took me to Italy, and I'm still making art and moving art. So it's been a good 10 years, I think. And can you share a little bit of your background of what you had to overcome to find your, find your interest in abstract art? I think it's a, it's a story that has been told. My story, it starts out, of course, on the reservation where you're surrounded by your relatives and everybody's drinking or they have a drug habit and you you find yourself in the middle of all of that and you just, you fall into that lifestyle eventually in the future. So I left high school in September. I got my degree and I took off and I ended up in Phoenix working and trying to go back to school but it it never worked for me because I had a drinking habit and I had a drug habit and it took over my life it took over my thoughts my emotions it got to the point where I didn't really like myself as a human being I didn't like my face I didn't like anything about myself and one day I hit rock bottom and I ended up at behavioral health at the Indian Health Center there in Phoenix and then I ended up at Native Connections and the rehab, the the outpatient settings. And I worked really hard at getting sobered and understanding my life and what it meant to be me in this world. And when I was done with the um with the rehab and the counseling, my counselor specifically told me I needed to reconnect myself in a way that I've never done before. So I started picking up a paintbrush. And I started sketching more and I started doing art more and it allowed me to express and escape the world that I've created that was full of anger, that was full of um, depression and the self-hatred. So when I started art, it really started bringing out the good side of being a human being in this world. I started to see the colors, I started to see my culture and I spent five more years in Phoenix and I decided to leave pack up my stuff and go home to the reservation. But that that was because I did a show in New York and I was living in a a small world in my head because even though I was Native American, I was Navajo, I didn't understand the real true meaning of being a Native American. So when I did an art show in New York City, I was on the subway and, and this this one guy kept looking at me and finally he asked me who I was and where I was coming from and what nationality I was. So when I told him I was Native American, that I was Navajo, he freaked out and he looked at me 
and shocked and surprised. And he's like, holy cow, your people are still existing. So that moment really changed my thoughts. And I was about a year into being sobered. And it really made me think about who I was and what I was doing in the art world and in my life. So when I got back to Phoenix, I quit my job and I moved home. I moved everything back to the reservation. I built a studio. I started participating in ceremonies, started listening to the elders and taking all the lifestyle of being Navajo, living on the reservation. I pulled that in all together and I started creating the contemporary abstract um, art that I'm doing now, which, which involves my culture and my learning of what it is to be Navajo and Native American in this world. So it's it's really changed in the past couple of years. And now that I've relocated to Chicago now for the Art Institute, it, it's going in another direction. So I don't I don't stay stuck in the same realm every year. I try to change it up and try to connect with modern society and also keep in touch with my traditional um, ways, the teachings, the stories, the conversations I have with my parents and my family. I try to keep that all entwined with each other and present it to the world. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm, my art is changing in different direction and I allow it to because without changing, it, it, I don't get better and people around me don't get better. And that's the purpose of this art. It's taken me to so many different levels and it's opened me in so many different ways that it's amazing to accept how much has changed from the moment I remember looking into the mirror. I didn't like the way my face looked. I really hated myself. And after going through rehab and understanding what it meant to be a person in this world and accepting art into my life, it's really changed my mental my my mentality, my emotions, my spirituality, everything. It's changed everything. And it's taken me off the reservation, out of the state, and even out of the country. So it's been a beautiful blessing for me these past couple of years. Thank you for sharing that, Antoinette. And can you share with us where can someone go to learn more about your work? Yeah, sure. Um, I have a website. It's under A. Thompson's Art. And my social media account is on Facebook and Instagram is also under A. Thompson's Art. I also go by ATA, which which is a lot shorter because it's, it's the acronym for A. Thompson's Art. You can go to my website, see what I've done, where I've gone, see what's on display, or you might be able to see my artwork because there's a few in the galleries in Santa Fe. There's some prints in Albuquerque. There's paintings in Italy and I have a show coming up at the University of Wisconsin in Whitewater and that's based on stolen sisters on the missing murdered indigenous women so it, it it's it, they're everywhere and you just look up A. Thompson's art on, on social media and you'll see it. Thank you for that Antoinette I want to thank you for taking time out to give us a call at the studio to share your story with us. Yeah, sure. Thank you for inviting me. Coming up next, I'll chat with author Nancy Boflood. Native Talk Arizona returns after this break.
Welcome back to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and Radio Phoenix. I'm host Lanasha Puari. On the phone with me is artist, author, and educator Nancy Bowflood. Nancy is the author of several award-winning children's books. She will share her stories. Welcome to our show, Nancy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? My background is in child psychology. I've worked on the island of Saipan over in Micronesia, the Western Pacific. And returning from there, then I've been on the Navajo Nation, teaching for the Navajo College, Diné College, as well as Northern Arizona University. And my interests have been in early literacy, uh, children with disabilities, and um, writing, writing good books for children. How did you get interested in writing? So I, I always enjoyed writing and trying to capture something that really was exciting. When I uh, was ever visiting someplace or really amazed by something or interested in something, I liked writing it, especially to my grandmother. I was close to my grandmother. She didn't have an opportunity to travel, so I liked to imagine trying to bring something totally alive for her that she could see it and smell it and hear it. I then also became interested in writing because as my work as a therapist with children, one of the things that I very um, soon observed is that children use story to try to understand and try to heal themselves. They will play out maybe with puppets, maybe with toys, a story over and over again until they can seem to get power over their understanding of it. So I, I feel like... Um, story offers children a way to understand themselves as well as others and to empower them in terms of understanding something that's happened to them. Another thing I observed when I was on the Navajo Nation especially is that it's also really important and very empowering for children to see themselves in a book, see themselves in the story. And that's kind of how I was working with teachers and working with students that I wanted to create stories where children on the Navajo Nation could see themselves contemporary, positive, and about their culture. Can you tell us about your your books, First Laugh, Welcome Baby, or Soldier Sister and Fly Home? One of the uh, surprises on the Navajo Nation is a wonderful celebration that uh, people do there to celebrate when someone can first make a baby laugh. Uh, laughter is sacred, and uh, laughter enables a child to become fully human. So it's a very important event for the family and for the child as well. That person that can get a baby to laugh then has a special relationship to that child throughout the whole child's life, sort of like a, we think of as a godparent. Their first task is to organize a great celebration and so the uh, members of the family come from all over to celebrate this. And uh, very important in terms of this celebration is not only is this child now, you know, fully human and part of the clan, part of the family, is that um, this at this celebration, and I want to read the words, if I can, of the uh, first author, Rose Tahe, Navajo Elder, Elder. The family holds a basket with, uh, filled with special salt crystals. And each guest is given a pinch of salt on their tongue 
to renew their own good character, and that this giving away precious salt is a child's first act of sharing. So then as a child grows, the family wishes that the child will have a happy life, many smiles, quick generosity, a kind heart, and will gladly give to anyone in need. What a special remembrance. What a special wish for this child. So I worked with um, Rose Fantahe, and um, we were just very excited when this um, our manuscript uh, talking about the first laugh was then accepted by Charles Bridge Publishing. The sad part of the story is that this time, then, um, unexpectedly, Rose died. But Charles Bridge was willing to continue with um, publishing the book. The next big task was finding an artist. We definitely needed an Navajo artist, and we found him, Jonathan Nelson. He comes from the Hogback area, way up north in the northern uh, part of the Navajo Nation. And I think he's done just an amazing job of illustrating this story. Which one is your favorite book? Oh, you know, that's a funny question because it's often asked, and it's sort of like asking a parent, which is your favorite child? (laughs) So I, I love that first laugh, Welcome Baby. That show celebrates um, this very, you know, this very special recognition that also reflects, I think, in, in the Navajo culture, the, um, the, uh, the high regard for taking care of each other, and that life is about one uh, one expression is hojo, walking together in harmony, which is also a concept that that is in the Soldier Sister Fly Home, which is a middle grade novel. So I'll have to defer and say each of my children, each of my books is um, very special and and different. What advice do you have for aspiring writers? Advice I would give to writers is one, have courage, have persistence, be stubborn, believe in yourself, and keep trying, keep writing. Important is to find groups of other writers and a great organization to join, which is located right there in Arizona in Phoenix, is the Society of Children, Book Writers, and Illustrators. They have wonderful conferences and they offer critique groups, uh, important information, and lots of great encouragement. I also always encourage writers, including myself, is to keep reading the kinds of books that you want to write. Reading books informs us how to write a good book. So keep trying. Listen to the feedback from other writers. And, and I think it's important to believe in yourself. You have stories to tell that are important. And I understand you also have an amazing program. Can you tell us more about your Read at Home program? Yes, I'm very happy to tell you about Read at Home. 
another author, illustrator, S.D. Nelson, who lives in Flagstaff. He is um, Sending Rock Sioux. And both of us have been very concerned about the um, low achievement of Native children in school. We certainly recognize that one problem is low literacy already when children are just one or two years old. So we began a nonprofit called Read at Home to encourage parents and caretakers, aunts and uncles, grandparents, to begin reading regularly to their children at home, even from the time of infancy. It's a very complimentary program to uh, reach out and read. So what happens is um, children receive subscriptions to children's magazines. The preschool teacher, if they're in preschool, works with the children with these magazines. And then the magazine goes home with the child so they can show their, their parents and share this magazine with things as well. You can find out more information about Read at Home at our website, www.readathome. Can you share with us um, more about your experience at Danette College? Oh, yes. Uh, what a wonderful uh, college this is. It, it was one of the very first colleges started by I. Uh, a national tribe. Its location is in Bailey on the Navajo Nation. I taught at their um, their location at Tupa City. And it's a, let's see, a great resource for students who have graduated from high school and are quite ready to go uh, off the nation to college or even for older um, students, all the way to 65, 70, to be able to learn new skills, as well as uh, be ready to also, let's see, pursue special degrees from Northern Arizona University. That's how I met Rose. Are the co-author of First Class. She was she had her master's already from Northern Arizona University, but then she wanted to get her reading specialist degree. Nancy, can you tell us where we can go for more information? Yes, on my website, www.nancybowflood.com. I welcome anyone to take a look, and there's contact information there. So there's information about all my books and about the Read at Home program and about my interests. And also, there's a collection of my uh, blog posts, so you can get to know me a little bit there. Thank you, Nancy, for sharing your time with us today. You're so welcome, and I thank you. Coming up next, I'll speak to musician and actor Lauren Anthony. Native Talk Arizona returns after this song. You're listening to Spirit Horses by Annie Humphrey.
Welcome back to Native Talk Arizona, presented by Native Health and Radio Phoenix. On the phone with me is musician and actor Lauren Anthony. Welcome to our show, Lauren. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? A little bit about myself. Mm -hmm. uh, there is no little about <laughs> myself. It's like I'm involved in so many things. Um, it basically, I, I tell people I'm the Navajo Forest Gump because I'm involved with a little bit of everything throughout my life and um, done quite a few up to this point, you know. So uh, I am an actor, I am a, um, a musician and um, involved in a lot of community projects, uh, started up a lot of uh, initiatives to help our people, you know, get, get off uh, up from the ground up and, and get going in life and just a lot of the things in my past from my childhood and, and working with youth implements into that. And then also, you know, being an addict in my life as well as um, implemented helping people with addictions and all the things connected with that. And uh, this coming this year on uh, in this month of December is going to be my 10th year sobriety. So that's, uh, you know, it's like a big uh, circle of things happening at this time in my life. And I'm just really grateful that um, I'm alive and I'm, able to do what I'm able to do. Let's dive into some of the things that you are currently doing. Can you tell us how you got interested in acting? Well, as Native people, we love to lie. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of one of the things. <laughs> as some people say, it's not lying, it's just kidding. You know, we like to kid around. So, <laughs> um, And um, it's kind of funny because in, 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 it's funny, but it's real. Like, I remember going to school and feeling like crap and but in the, in, and I would have to display this extra funny guy 
so then that way nobody bothered me on like what's going on in my life and and you know we we have these masks that we wear so naturally we we do this a lot as just not only native people but just people in general we you know hide things and if we're able to do that really well then you know maybe you know theater or performing arts or acting or some form of like you know artistic form of, of venting can be produced out of that and so I came across uh, some really good teachers way back um, who uh, allowed me to be a part of a school play uh, and then I really enjoyed it and I just didn't really um, know that you could do that I, I saw things on TV and and but I, I never really understood it until I got into doing some theater plays for um, elementary school and I did it for mid school and stuff so it, it was something that kind of grew into it and later down the road I got into theater um, and I did that for four years then I took a big break because in between all that I was touring and um, my whole my whole life's been kind of just on the road and on the go and so you know I, I've always like had this passion for being on the stage Something about being on the stage just made everything go away for that 45 minutes to an hour that I was on stage. And, you know, all my problems that I was going through, all the, the past, you know, hurt that I've been through, everything just kind of went away during that time frame. And, and it was a good a good way for me to escape a lot of that. So uh, that was something I really chased after all, for a long time and still I am chasing after it. And it's, it's um, always growing. It's always you know, getting bigger, better, and then also with the bigger, better, you also get the other, you know, bad side of things as well. So uh, that's kind of in a little small piece right there how I got started in getting into acting. And what got you interested in music? I don't know. Like, I, I don't really know what sparked it. I know there was a lot of things that came along the way that really fed my fire, but I really felt like it was something that was like in me because I seen, you know, baby pictures of myself with a harmonica and, you know, my mom would tell me, you know, I used to just blow in and out of that thing and, and, um, just have a good time with it forever. And so just kind of having that around. And then, you know, my, um, grandparents, they always like sang traditional songs around me and, you know, I was always around ceremonies too. So I always heard a lot of the songs as well. And then when I would go to school, my mom, like, um, she would always uh, play old school rock, you know, like Led Zeppelin, Rod Stewart, Jimi Hendrix. Um, so a lot of the classic rock was going on. So I was, you know, hearing different things. And then I also got thrown into Catholic and Christian school. So then I heard a lot more of those type of music too. So I was like just all over, just a mix of different things. And, and um, it's kind of interesting how like now today I implement a lot of those different things I've taken from that into the music I, I produce today. And how did you get interested in working with at-risk youth and adults with addictions? I When I first started doing work with at-risk youth, um, I never really realized I was doing it. I, you know, playing shows, you know, being out and about, uh, I would come across people, individuals that would, that are hurting, that are looking for answers or they're seeking truth in their life and and for some reason, you know, people would uh, be uh, drawn to our music and when they really dig deep into the lyrics of songs, they're not. Because, you know, with heavy metal music, it can be really misinterpreted, you know, as a, as a negative thing because people, you know, wearing dark clothes and they're pushing and shoving and at the concerts and stuff. But the thing is, is like, it's it's aggression being, being vented out. 
it's emotions being played out and and when you look at a lot of lyrics that you know that i've written a lot of them are about you know preservation you know strengthening yourself and not giving up going through the endurance and being resilient in a lot of issues that you've going on in your life and that's not just pertaining to native people it's just people in general and that's what i wanted to speak about and and um when people would approach me about that they would just talk about you know there's these, this song helped them out during that time and it would really be mind-blowing because I never really thought it would be that way and when I would ever get the chance to speak um, at our shows you know I would always tell people to hang in there don't give up and it was naturally in me to you know just kind of be that motivator but then after shows you know people would, would talk to me one-on-one and I would give that encouragement um, but at that time like I didn't realize I was you know helping youth at that time like I was just it felt like I was just a guy giving advice, but then when I really delved into working with youth on a professional, like legit level, um, I was intimidated because you know I wasn't sure you know if this was you know was the route was really supposed to take, but everything kind of fell in place the way it did, and and once I got started, it was just like night and day. Like it was, I was just having a really good success with working with people because, um, you know, the youth that we have, you know, they're, they're very tough or they're very strong minded, but at the same time, you know, they'll put their walls up and, know, and they know, they know, they know who's, who's uh, trying to just pass them along or who's actually trying to help them. And for me, it was always um, a uh, second nature. Also, you know, a gift that I feel, um, plus also I want to help people out as far as like the stuff I've been through in my life as a kid. And I, I can relate that. And a, a lot of res kids, a lot of our native youth, we're all the same. We all grew up the same. Um, and, and realizing that we're not alone in this, uh, our issues may be similar, but not the same. And, but our experiences are our own and to, um, be very cautious and, and, caring about how we handle that as we move forward you know i really believe helps out with growing people thank you for sharing that lauren can you tell us what advice do you have for people wanting to go into acting or music my advice for that wow there's so many advices there's not just one um i think if it calls out to you if you're looking out to go for it for money and fame, then you're not going to last. Uh, I believe if you're going to do it, do it because you want to tell stories. Do it because you want to play uh, out, of, out of your own heart um, and be yourself. Really, you can't be anybody else. You can't try to be the next West Duty. You can't try to be the next you know, next celebrity that you have in mind, you got to be yourself. And, and with that, because you're uniquely individual, you'll have your own way of, of shining. You'll have your own way of having your light being shown to the world. And that's what makes that person special. So understanding that is going to get you a lot farther than, you know, thinking like, I'm just going to do it because I want to be famous. Um, because you still got to keep your feet grounded. You got to still, you know, keep, I, my my goal in this whole deal is I want my people to claim me. I always want people to claim me and say like, yeah, he's from our community or he's from our tribe or he's from our family or he's my friend. Uh, he's helped us out. You know, that that's what I really want to have in the long run of things. And Lauren, can you quickly tell everyone, all our listeners, what how they could reach you or what your social media handles are? Um, people can reach me um, 
on all social media except for Snapchat. Um, it's all under Lauren Anthony, L-O-R-E-N, uh, Lauren Anthony 1, and it's just at everything. So you can find me um, on Google, Twitter. Um, my email is LaurenAnthony1 if anybody wants to hit me up for advice or anything else. It's, it's all good. Um, I always try to keep an open door on things because um, uh, I never had that in the beginning. I never had that guidance. So I do a lot of uh, um, artist development with people as well. So, you know, helping people get into uh, how to audition, how to set up their reels, how to, to set up their resumes, um, you know. And then also I've been burned a lot. So I also help people, you know, dealing with those type of scams and people out there to uh, really try to take advantage of people. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. I would like to thank you for taking time to talk with us today on Native Talk Arizona. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Native Talk Arizona, which is produced through a partnership between Native Health and Radio Phoenix. Our sound engineer is Javier Quiroca, and executive producer is Susan Levy. I'm your host, Lanasha Puadi. We hope you listen again next week. If you have any questions, please email us at nativetalkaz at radiophoenix.org. Show your face.